I'm Brian Carpenter, host of Fresh Air at Five, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here, and today I'm catching up with author Dan E. Hendrickson. We last talked on episode 507 about his novel, The Living Legend, a Last Enemy prequel. Well, our focus now is his novel, Brandy, Ballad of a Pirate Princess. Action, drama, sword fighting, ships, muskets, and a love story. Awesome tale. Online book club ranked Brandy as the historical fiction book of the year. Oh, you're going to love this. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to share. By the way, it'd be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews, and uh, left a review. Could you do that for me? Thanks so much. You are awesome. Enjoy the show. Hey, do you like awesome rings? Do you need a ring to replace one that you lost ages ago? Or do you need a new wedding band because yours is no longer fixable? Well, <laughs> I have this cool sponsor, Boone Titanium Rings. They can be found at boonrings.com. They make their rings from titanium, and you can get the rings carved, engraved, inlaid, laser cut. There's even special collections like the Hunter Series or the Gamer Rings or the Black Zirconium. Very cool. They have models that have meteorite, wood, or other inlays. Check out boonrings.com. And at checkout, use the code for my podcast. It's Capital T, capital L, capital L, capital K, and the number 12. T-L-L-K-12, and you will get 10% off the total, and you will help this podcast out. Thanks so much. I love my ring, and I know you will love yours. It's the education podcast, your favorite show. With lots of groovy guests, and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know. That here's another show with Dr. Stimuletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dot Stimuletto. Dan Hendrickson was born in Sheridan, Wyoming in 1962 near the rustic Bighorn Mountain Range to Carl and Helen Hendrickson. He went to school in the Sheridan School District, graduating from Sheridan High School in 1981. He was an avid participant in boxing, martial arts, wrestling, and track. His father owned a small eight-lane bowling alley that he ran until Dan was 12 years old. Carl also had a master's degree in English and loved to write poetry and plays. Dan picked up on his father's love for the written word and enrolled in Casper Community College in 1982, majoring in journalism. Although he found that he had an aptitude for investigative reporting, he decided that his interests were in other areas. He went on to do much volunteer Christian ministry work throughout the United States uh, most of his adult life and continues to pursue those endeavors to this day. During that time, he gained another degree in practical theology. Throughout his many ministry assignments, he also worked several secular jobs. Some of his work experience includes law enforcement, security, emergency medical technician, and firefighting. He also helped run a martial arts school where he was a senior instructor. Most notable of his work experience is his auto detailing endeavors. He and his wife, Cheryl, have owned three different auto detailing businesses throughout the country, the last of which they still run to this day. Uh, this is my second visit with Dan. On episode 507 of Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, we talked about his novel, The Living Legend, A Last Enemy Prequel. Today, we're talking about his adventure, Brandy, Ballad of a Pirate Princess. And so here's a little bit about Brandy. 
The book has gained a lot of recognition and positive reviews from the book publishing world and readers alike. Uh, For example, Online Book Club ranked it as the historical fiction book of the year. Scores of readers have noted the powerful appeal of Hendrickson's novel. One five-star reviewer noted, most books about pirates focus upon men and their daring exploits. It was refreshing to see how a strong and resourceful woman could hold her own in that time period and culture. It's a good and enjoyable read. Brandy Erasmus was raised by her notorious parents to be a pirate until they died when she was 15. She then escapes with her uncle to live in a port in in Jamaica. All goes well until a famous English Navy captain and his first mate, who were part of the abolitionist movement, come into the tavern one night and turn her life upside down. Brandy never wanted to go back to a life at sea because she now hates her pirate background and the ship she was raised on, but finds herself drawn to the first mate. Dan, welcome back. Say hi to everyone. Well, thanks, Steve. It's great to be here. Hello. Glad to have you here. It's good to have you back. And, uh, oh, I love this subject matter. This is, this is a cool book. All right. And, uh, nothing like pirates. Yeah. (laughs) So, so let's start by talking about, uh, why you chose to write a pirate tale. Well, um, I think like you, Steve, uh, growing up, um, you were telling me about your dad and pirates and how he loved those books and stories and movies. I did too. Um, I grew up, my dad got me reading the Horatio Hornblower series by C.S. Forrester, which was fantastic. I love Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. I love movies like Captain Blood and, uh, you know, different swashbuckling tales back from the old days. I just love those kind of stories. And uh, I always wanted to write something along those lines. And Brandy Ballad of a Pirate Princess was just something that came up to me um, that I just, the story just evolved to the point that I had to write it. And so that's why we're here. Very cool. Well, it's an awesome tale. And oh yeah, some of those movies, Captain Blood, I mean, Almost anything with Errol Flynn, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah. got a little swashbuckling going on there. And then all the way into modern times, there's all kinds of cool stuff. And I, and I got to tell you, anything with some sword fighting and stuff, we're good. We're good there. So I love it. I love it. Uh, so could you shed some light on the lifestyle of pirates historically? Well, um, pirates are also called privateers. Um, they evolved in the Caribbean, which I wrote about, basically from um, military uh, individuals, uh, naval individuals from the um, Spanish and the English uh, navies that uh, got decommissioned or, you know, lost their jobs and they still had to make a living. And so they started doing privateering work. Privateering could be anything. It could be smuggling. It could be carrying cargo for, you know, legally. Um, and it was also slaving. Uh, so these guys would just take whatever work they could get, but it did eventually evolve into the whole, you know, capture a ship, steal all its goods and, and, and sell all of its, uh, stuff, including the people and, uh, profiteer off of that. And that's where the pirates that we all know about today came from. And, uh, so it was, a. Uh, it's, it's still quite a problem today, uh, not not so large scale as it used to be, but there still are modern day pirates out there going after small ships and yachts and stuff. And uh, you, sometimes you see it in the news, sometimes you don't, but it's still something that goes on. It's interesting because uh, it's funny how uh, some people get uh, so enamored with the uh, um, the tales of a, of a past, whether real or not, uh, that... Uh, um, they forget that it uh, is still there. Yeah, <laughs> it is a it is a pathway to a uh, uh, whatever future world you want to take. That uh, 
there are those who still follow it. So uh, may not have the Jolly Roger flying, but uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, interesting stuff. I, I So you tend to write about a main character needing to make a difficult soul-searching choice about which path to take in life. Why, why do you have this? Why, why is this kind of a thing you do? Well, I think it is just a way of getting the reader to identify with the character. Um, you know, you can't have a perfect, I, I like to call it the Superman syndrome, where, you know, his only weakness was kryptonite. So every time you made a story about Superman, you had to bring kryptonite in there. Otherwise, it wasn't going to be interesting because he was invulnerable, he was undefeatable, all that kind of stuff. Um, real people aren't like that. Uh, you know, they got to, and, and the reader, I think wants to grow. I know when I read a book, I want to grow and live with that character and see them blossom into something more than when they started. And so it's a, it's a fun journey for a writer to take a character through that and giving them an ultimatum or a, a problem that they have to overcome is a great way to do that. And that's what I did with Brandy. Brandy was raised a pirate. She had no other knowledge of any other kind of lifestyle but she's confronted with choosing a higher ground and it does take her a little time to choose it, but she does. Which is awesome. And talk about uh, a difficult choice to make. So, uh, but to, to hate that life, uh, uh, but, uh, and then to say, uh, I got to do what's right, or I got to do this other, this other life and say goodbye to it. And so one of the things that happens is that it's going to be difficult for her to say goodbye to it. I mean, any thoughts about why people enjoy a heroine with criminal family ties who gets in trouble? I mean, I kind of like this this thought right here. <laughs> well, like I said, I think they just like seeing the growth and the change. Um, you know, the bad people, quote unquote, can become good. Now, Brandy was raised to be a bad person. She wasn't necessarily a bad person. It's just all she knew. And But it took special people in her life to love her and to mentor her and to guide her, to get her to become the heroine that she becomes in the book. And uh, I think then again, just people identify with that. They like to see that growth. They like to see the change. They like to see somebody actually grow out of bad things into good things. Gotcha. And and so as a note, one of the things I'd like you to do is just kind of tell us a little bit about who's brand, who, who Brandy's parents are. I mean, this is, this is the cool, cool sort of thing, kind of setting her up there. And uh, so this is what she has to deal with. Okay. Well, Brandy is the daughter of Eric Erasmus, who in my book is one of the most notorious pirates that ever sailed the Caribbean. They called him the plague. And he was married to a woman by the name of the Scarlet Mistress. And she was uh, a red hair beauty that, uh, joined his crew because she needed his protection. She was a, um, when she first came over to this part of the world from Ireland, her ship was, um, her family was killed off by the ship's captain and she was sold into indentured slavery. And the person that bought her was an English governor in, in the Caribbean and just basically used her as a sex slave. Well, she killed this man and he happened to be the cousin of the king. So she killed this man and she fled. And then after that, there was a death warrant sent out for her. Um, If anybody found her, she was to be hung. So she finally found this notorious pirate that she knew that uh, he could protect her. And he did. And she joined his crew and she became just as notorious as he was. And she was just as lethal with a sword as he was. And in the beginning of the Brandy book, you find her training her daughter how to sword fight. And she's pretty ruthless with the little girl. <laughs> she's only 15. So 
you know, that's the parents. And, and they both died very quickly. And Brandy is raised by her uncle after that. Very cool. And, and, and so, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, right off from the start, like you said, you know, she's got this sword training going on and stuff like this, and there's some situations that take place, but, uh, um, you know, in the beginning of your novel, Brandy, Ballad of a Pirate, you know, a pirate Princess, this is happening. So I'm going to read from, from your book. Okay. So she swallows her pride, grabs the fan, and spends the next three hours forcing herself to execute all those exasperating moves. Can you talk about what she's doing and why? Well, you see, Brandy was raised to believe that in order to make it in a man's world, she had to be just as strong and just as ruthless as any of the men, especially the pirates. That's the way her mother raised her. So she was a very, very strong, robust girl. But she also had a lot of rage she had to deal with. Now, I'm a, I'm a martial artist. I've been involved with martial arts most of my life. And uh, one of the things that I know, especially in the Chinese Kung Fu, is that women are trained a little bit different than men. And it's because they want to play on the strengths, not just the, weak, uh, not just the weaknesses. And Brandy comes in contact with a Chinese Shaolin priest who comes to work for her uh, uncle's tavern, and he begins to train her. And, you know, he finds out rather quickly that uh, she was trained to always work on her weaknesses. She was trained to make her body stronger. or She was trained to be more vicious and more, you know, more like the men on her crew. Well, he found that what she was doing is she was missing all that great flexibility and speed she had innately in her, you know, in her, her feminine body. And so what he started doing is training her with a Chinese fan. And a Chinese fan is, I don't know if you've ever seen any videos of it or stuff, but it's a very delicate, uh, quick, wispy movements, very uh, poetic, very ballet, ballet and stuff. And he was training her to, uh, you know, use her strengths, which is just that the flexibility and the ability to move quicker and have more agility in her movements. And so at first she really resisted it, but with the fan was one of the tools that he used to actually get her to the point that she could receive the master's swords. And those are a big deal in the book where at one point in her life, she's going to be awarded these master swords from a Shaolin priest. And those swords are, you know, incredible. And anybody that wields them is incredible, but first she has to master the fan and she has to master some other tools. That's awesome. And I love it because it was a nice, uh, it, it, it's a neat section of, of the book. She's trying to, to, to learn this way. <laughs> and I, I like that. Um, you know what? Uh, one of the things that uh, I have to say is, you know, there are a few aspects of pirate tales that I think most readers want to have in a story. Sword fights, cannon shots and musket fire. Um, you do not uh, um, disappoint there. So uh, which is cool. And uh, I'm going to read again from your book. A shot from behind John rings in his ears and he looks up to see a man who had been coming at him with another bayoneted rifle, fall to the ground with a bullet hole between his eyes. Talk about adding action to your stories. What's going on there? In, in, as you're well, um, John Edwards is the first mate of the Morning Star, who later becomes the captain because Captain Joshua has to retire. But um, in that particular instance, they're off the... Um, they're in a little beach on the tip of Florida, and they're to pick up some runaway slaves to take them to a maroon somewhere in the Caribbean. Well, uh, 
these slaves are being chased by Southern uh, military officers trying to round them up and bring them back to their plantations where they ran away from. And uh, John and his men decide to storm the, the beach and protect these people as they're running away. And he leaves his third mate, Ralphie, on the um, on the ship, getting ready to to leave, and Ralphie sees that he's in trouble because he just had a fight with a couple of a uh, couple of these officers, and he didn't see this particular one coming at him. So Ralphie, his his youngest officer, third mate, he uh, raises his musket and he actually kills this guy so that uh, uh, John can get these slaves on the ship and take them away. Excellent. It's a nice bit of uh, action going on there, which I which mm-hmm. I love. So. Uh, um, so here's another section from your book. Um, John takes out his spy glass and scans in that direction. He sees a silhouette of the man of war first and what looks to be three or four schooners fanned out on each side. As the armada gets closer, a cold chill goes up and down John's spine as he realizes what is coming their way. And so I got to make sure that I include ships because every good pirate tale has <laughs> a lot of ships and a lot of action going on there. Um, so talk about what's going on. This is later in the book, by the way. Yeah. This is actually at, at uh, Port La Pata down in um, South America. Um, and he had, there's a new maroon that they just set up. Now, maroons are these, um, these bases that they set up during this time to allow uh, for these runaway slaves to go and live. They would set them up and they would actually start a new community. Well, uh, this is a brand new one, and they just brought a, a lot of slaves down there. And the... Uh, the pirates and the uh, the plantation owners of the of the the slavers sent an armada down there to capture him, John, and bring all these slaves back. And so he's just coming out on his ship, and it's a little stormy that night, and he sees the silhouette of none other than Brandy's old ship, ship the Red Witch. And the Red Witch is a big, impregnable man of war that was made out of. Uh, California redwood. So it was almost impregnable. It was very hard. And it was a little bit slower than most ships, but also it was a very scary ship. And he's in his ship called the Morning Star, which is a real swift, fast um, cutter that uh, the, the king gifted his captain years ago. That was a, really the fastest ship that was available at that time. And so he had to go up against this armada. And when in the book, I show that John is just brilliant at navigation, at piloting, at, at seafare. And he's also a brilliant um, combat uh, naval officer. And he does outsmart all these guys and he does get away with them. But I'm not going to tell you how. <laughs> but uh, it's, a, it's a great scene. And it really shows off his um nautical abilities i love that i love it so you know so when uh when you're writing uh, the story of brandy did is there research that you worked on i mean is there a specific way that you you worked on uh, knowing the types of ships or the types of things that they might have or have access to i mean what what'd you do to spend a little bit of time uh learning about uh um, the pirates well, actually I, I found some books about the history of the caribbean and uh, I read them, and then I looked up a lot of different articles online, of course, and, uh, you know, yeah, there was a lot of research that went into that. I was fascinated when I got into the research of the Caribbean at the time to see the abolitionist movement and how it developed in the Caribbean back then. You know, the abolitionists were the people who helped runaway slaves get away from slavery. Now, we all are familiar with the Underground Railroad, where they would sneak them up north to the free states. But there was also a whole bunch of ships 
back then, and most of them were uh, English, ex-English naval officers, because you see the, 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 the English Empire freed the slaves back in 1830. You know, we didn't free our slaves until the 1860s when we had the Civil War. Um, so a lot of these ships would uh, come in off the coast of Florida, even as far up as North Carolina, um, Louisiana, and they would pick up these runaway slaves in groups of like 10, 15, 20, 30, and they would take them to different places in the Caribbean where they had these maroons. And so what I had to do is I had to look up and see what kind of ships they were using. And, uh, you know, it was anywhere from a little uh, one-deck schooner to a four-deck man-of-war, just depending on what they get their hands on. And, uh it was really cool to be uh, look at all that stuff and see how, you know, how they fought each other and how they tried to outsmart each other and all that stuff. And, you know, it was a big deal back then because slavery was good, was a very hot topic. It was coming to an end basically worldwide. And there was a lot of conflict over, it. you know, you got the Haitian um, rebellion of, I think it was 18, 20 or something like that. And my, my time frames all off. And then, and then you've got the, you know, where the English freed the slaves and then you have the, the civil war. And, uh, so there's a lot of emotions going on here and a lot of different, you know, viewpoints and stuff. And so it was really cool to, to find out all that history and, 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 and see the political things that are going on. You know, there was parts of the English empire that were really, mad at the king. His name was King William. They called him the Sailor King that freed the slaves back in 1830. They wanted to bring it back because it was such a huge um, business to them. And uh, the Indian Trade Company, I don't know if you've heard of that. That was one of the big ones that, that went over to Africa and, and bought and sold slaves and brought them to the, uh, to the Americas. Well, all that stuff just plays into the research that I had to do with the books and book. I say books because I'm writing the prequel. Right, I mean the the sequel right now. So <laughs> there's another one coming out. Gotcha. Because that's that's going to be my next question. With all that research that you did, uh, are we going to see Brandy again? Oh yeah, yeah. Brandy's coming back stronger than ever. Whole new bunch of bad guys. It's going to be great. Excellent. Excellent. Got any got any thoughts about the timing? I would say uh, by next uh, Christmas it ought to be out. Yeah. Hey. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we look forward to hearing more about Brandy and I hope that you'll reach back out to me because I'd love to have you back on as we get to hear about Brandy's new adventure. Uh, so I got a couple more questions for you, but before we do that, Dan, uh, what I'd like to do is uh, if someone wanted to learn more, where would you send them? Well, first I'd send them to my website because I, I practically have everything on there. My website is danehendrickson.com, all lowercase, just spelled D-A-N-E Hendrickson, H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S-O-N.com. You can find out about all my books. I have, uh, you know, the awards that the books have been granted over the years. I have uh, lots of nice reviews on there from Kirkus and other sources. I have uh, podcasts of my own, uh, interviews that I've done with uh, some martial artists that I used to train with back in the day and have helped me along. And, uh, you know, that's where you can find it. And then my books are on, you know, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. They're in digital and physical form. So you can, if you, if you, if you got a Nook or a Kindle, you can read my books. And if you just want to order a book, a hard copy, you can do that too. Either source. That is excellent. And I'll put that information in my show notes so people can go right there and uh, get their copy as well as see all the other stuff you've been working on. Good stuff. Uh, you know, one of the, uh, one of the things I got to ask you, so the last couple of questions I want to ask you have to do with writing. I mean, if you had a chance to talk to an audience of first time authors, what would you tell them about deciding what to write? 
I always say write what you love and then learn how to love what you write. Um, if you're not passionate about your writing, if, if it's, if it's something you're just doing because you think it's another business adventure, then just stop. You know, I mean, it's, you gotta, you gotta have a story you want to tell. And I'm talking about you fiction writers out there. I'm not talking about, you know, nonfiction books or self-help books or something like that. It's a whole different story that I don't know too much about, but you know, these stories got to live in you and you got to want to tell them and it's got to be more important to you than just making money off of them. Cause you won't make it. You won't, you'll get frustrated. You'll quit. You won't see any movement for a while. You'll send out query letters and you'll get so mad at yourself. And you know, you gotta, you, you gotta have stories. Um, you know, I've been, I've been uh, asked why I don't stick with one genre. And I tell people, I say, look, I just write the story that I want to write. I mean, that's that if I got a story on my heart that's burning, I want to tell it. I want to develop it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to tell them in development. I mean, I wrote Brandy two years ago and since then I've, uh, I've written one book and published it. The one you interviewed me about the living legend. And now the, the another book is at, uh, the editors right now it's called the magi apprentice and it's about the uh magi in uh matthew chapter two and it's a historical fiction about their lives and i I really spice it up and gave it a lot of action and drama and stuff and i think people are really going to love it so those were stories around my heart and now i'm coming back to brandy you know i just i thought well it's about time to do so with brandy i get so many people asking me to to tell more about brandy and i just got going with it and really excited about it. And I think I got a really dynamic story that's totally different than the first one. And that's one of my pet peeves when somebody keeps trying to retell the same story over and over this in a different way. Now this is going in a whole broader direction. So I think everybody will really like it. So if you're, if you want to be a writer, then you got to love it. You got to love writing books more than just looking for a way to make a living. Um, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do it whether you make a living out of it or not. That's my, that's my biggest advice. I love it. I love it. Uh, good stuff. And, and, and I got to ask you, what's it like to, I mean, it has to make you at least smile um, when uh, you get a, a neat comment from somebody like on the front of your cover is uh, a comment uh, of, uh, from a gentleman that says, you know, an absolute joy to read. And you have this great review from uh, off Kirkus. And then you, I mean, it was historical, fiction book of the year for, uh, uh, for the online club. So, so uh, what, what's it, like, how's that feel? What's that like? Oh, you know, of course it feels fantastic. And sometimes you, you, you don't expect it. Sometimes you kind of expect it. Um, with Brandy, I'll be honest with you, I kind of expected it because it just, it, that, that book just flowed out of me and it was so much fun to write. And I was excited. You know, they say the first draft is you telling yourself the story. Well, I love telling myself that story. It was so much fun. And, you know, the romance, the drama, the action, everything, all the all the different things I got to pour into it. And then to hear somebody like it. You know, one of my biggest dreams in life is to walk into a, uh, a bookstore or a restaurant or anywhere and just hear a couple of people that I don't know, never met before in my life, talking about one of my books that would be better than anything. You know, that would be awesome. Just because I think that most authors are like that too. You just want people to enjoy your story. I'm just here to entertain. I want people to enjoy my stories. I want them to have as much fun reading them as I had writing them. I love that. That is so awesome. Well, kudos on the, on the, on the great stuff that people are saying. And uh, that is so excellent. Uh, yeah. Uh, last question goes like this. So a lot of times you hear people talking about, you know, they, they, they're writing and they get, 
they get this writer's block type thing going and and basically what they are is they're stuck any thoughts about getting unstuck yeah i mean i i used to say i didn't experience that but i i think there was a couple of times especially when i was reading when i was writing magi apprentice that i felt kind of stuck and uh it took me two and a half years to write that book and i think and it's a lot longer than any of my other books too but I think one of the biggest things you have to do when you get stuck is just go back to where you get inspired and, and, and just, and do that. Um, you know, for me, uh, a lot of it's uh, reading the Bible because I really enjoy reading the Bible. I've been a Christian all my life and I really enjoy those, all the great drama and stories in, 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 in the word of God. And, you know, I can draw from it. Another thing I really enjoy is listening to music. And uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, Brandy is based on a song that was written back in the 70s. It's a part of it that inspired me. Um, and, you know, Brandy, you're a fine girl. What a good wife you'd be. You remember that one? That's one of the songs that really inspired me to, to go in that direction. And, you know, I, music does inspire me to write stories. It really does. And it helps me. So, you know, you just got to figure out what inspires you. If it's, if it's, if it's going and taking a trip and, and walking through the mountains or going on the sea or whatever you need to do, you know, you just, you just need to get re-inspired. You need to get like, get back into it. And like I said, I think one of the things that really holds writers back is if they don't see it growing as a business. And it's kind of funny you say this because the other day I took a picture of a construction project that's going out behind my detail shop. They're developing, they're, they're building a housing development. And in that development right now, there's just a bunch of dirt out there. And it seems like for the last year, all they've been doing is pushing that dirt around because they're building the foundation. And, uh, you know, I've seen these construction projects before where it takes like, you know, eight months, nine months, a year to get all the foundation in. And then all of a sudden the buildings just start popping up. And that's really the way you got to look at writing. You know, a lot of times you're just building your foundation and, you know, however long it takes to build that, that's how long it's going to take for you to become successful, you know, but the whole thing is you, you got to, you got to learn how to get the enjoyment out of the actual telling of a story and look for the end. I mean, one of the things I do, this is one of my personal uh, things that I do for writing is I know my end, you know, I, I, I know where I'm going. And I don't necessarily work off of a total outline or anything, but I know how I want the story to end. So me writing the book is just getting to the end. And I think that keeps me inspired a lot more than normal. That is awesome. That is so cool. Now, and, and I got to tell you, that's, I love that song Brandy from the seventies. That's excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Um, that's, that's cool to know that was part of your inspiration for keeping the story going. I love that. So great advice. Cause I mean, you, you hear people all the time. I mean, you, in, whether you're writing a book or not, sometimes we get stuck in whatever our thoughts are and mm -hmm. coming up with that way is, is good stuff. I mean, Dan, it was awesome catching up with you today. Um, what an incredible story. I am Brandy. The ballad of a pirate princess is exciting, engaging, and so much fun. Wishing the best in all you do. Thanks, sir. I wish you the best as well. And thanks for having me on the show. Hey, you have been listening to teaching, learning, leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here.
The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.